Part of my childhood was traveling with my parents from New Jersey, where we lived, to Florida every winter where we vacationed. It's probably uh, part of the reason I've had a couple of skin cancers, but that's not the point this morning. I grew up shelling, and I found that I was good at it. And when we raised our kids, we took them down to Florida, uh, the coast, and shelled a lot, and they got really good. In fact, I remember, I don't remember which one of our kids it was, but when they were two or three, they had a better eye for shells than most people in their 30s or 40s or 50s. And I remember a, a, a couple walking kind of parallel with us, and one of them picked up, oh, look at this one. And my, one of our kids looked over and said, ah, that one's no good. <laughs> because a, a shell has to be perfect. It can't have a hole. It can't have a, a, a crack in it. Um, and there are common shells, and there's extraordinary shells. Now, I, I brought a few of my favorites. So um, this is a, a trumpet triton. This is not found in Florida, but it is in Nassau, and that's where I got this one. Um, this one is a helmet shell. Uh, they come a lot larger, uh, but I found this one, and all I saw was that from about 20 feet up uh, it was, the, the water was about 20 feet deep, but I saw that on the ocean bottom. The rest was under the sand, and I thought, that is a, a helmet shell. But that's all I saw, and I recognized the rest of it. Now, one of my favorites is this one. I've never found a horse conch bigger than this, um, but they actually come 10 times this size, and I've seen them. Uh, not 10 times as long, but in mass, 10 times this size. Unlike most shells, the horse conch grows extremely fast and becomes one of the largest shells uh, that you can find. Uh, when they're newborn, and I, you find more of these than those, but uh, most of them you find are like one inch long. They're bright orange, they stand out, and they're lovely. Um, when you find as many shells as, as our family does, you, you need excuses to do something with them. So uh, part of that is uh, we make shell frames. It's a fun way. You buy a $6 frame in Walmart, and then you glue gun on your trophies. And you lay them out in a pattern that uh, is attractive, and then you put a picture in the middle of what you did on that vacation. Um, so it becomes a nice little uh, memento, and uh, you can come up and look at these uh, when we're done. In fact, I actually have a shell for everyone, um, and these are not uh, cheesy ones, um, uh, but they're, they're, I mean, we have so many boxes of these shells. Now, let me just say, we don't take live shells. That's uh, against the law anyway, but, but these are special. That's a double cockle. It's in the shelf in the clam family, but if you want that one, you're welcome to it. Um, these are quite common, but very pretty. Jenna, for you to take back to lead. Um, uh, that's a fighting conch. Um, this is a whelk, um, and uh, these actually get quite large, also, Lisey, for you. So anyway. Now, why am I sharing all this? 
I'm going to share with us this morning about the kingdom of God. When Jesus taught about the kingdom, he said the kingdom of God is like. Rarely did Jesus teach on the kingdom without a story. Now listen carefully because I'm going to connect the dots between the kingdom and shelling. The kingdom of God is like shelling. When you find a shell, you did not put it there. God did. When you find the kingdom, it's not because you put it there. God did. Um, you need an eye to shell. You need an eye to discover the kingdom. A trained eye in the kingdom is going to find a lot more shells. There are places where shelling is better than other places. The kingdom of God is not out there equally in all places. The kingdom of God is particular. God is never random. He does not give his pearls to swine. His kingdom is not merited, just like no one earns a shell. They're out there, and they'll wash up on the beach at certain times, there are places where the kingdom of God today is advancing faster than other places, and you will discover more of the kingdom in those places. We want to be one of those places. The kingdom comes like shells more to some places than others and more under certain conditions than others. After a storm or low tide is the best shelling. Actually, the best shelling is the outgoing tide because you're the first ones to see the new shells that the tide brought in, so to speak. And there are times and there are places when you will find more shells than others, and there are times and there are places when you will see more of the kingdom than at other times. With that as an allegory, as a backstory, would you please turn with me in your Bibles, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Uh, the reason we're back here this morning is not because I had at least 15 people tell me this week, Pastor, can't you stretch the Romans series a little longer? This, this has worked exactly like I hoped. Uh, normally our series, sermon series, seven weeks or so, give or take. This has been like 18 weeks, and I was hoping no one would start getting restless saying like, when can we move on? It's been the opposite. People say, can we stay longer here in the book of Romans? So here's an extra message from the book of Romans. After this, we've got a couple weeks left to, to wrap it up. And uh, by the grace of God, next week we will be in Romans um, 15, and then uh, we'll finish with 16. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not food or drink but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, last week we focused on the negative. The kingdom of God is not food or drink. This has nothing to do with which fast food place you go to on the way home today. That's not what this is talking about. When it says the kingdom of God is not food or drink, this, these were cultural, religious issues in the church in Rome. 
Some had money to buy any meat they wanted. Some had limited funds and needed to buy meat uh, offered to idols or else they were going to be vegetarians. So it was an economic issue. It was a cultural issue. It was a religious issue. The, when it says the kingdom of God is not food or drink, what it's saying is, and listen carefully, this is significant. The kingdom of God is not political. The kingdom of God is not cultural. The kingdom of God is not religious. The kingdom of God transcends all of that. There is no political party that has a corner on the kingdom. There is no denomination that has a corner on the kingdom. There is no local church that has a corner on the kingdom because the kingdom transcends all. So don't dumb down the kingdom and think, well, the kingdom of God will always vote this way in an election or the kingdom of God is this way or the kingdom of God is more American than it is French or whatever. Those things are completely distorted. The kingdom of God trumps all those things, transcends all those things. So we focused on the negative last week. This morning I want us to dig into the positive. The kingdom of God is, and we're looking at three primary things. The kingdom of God is, when you have 15 grandchildren, you focus, a little crying child does nothing to my attention span. Uh, I can preach through anything, no problem. And we're, we're always glad when kids are in the room. Uh, it's never a distraction, and I say that sincerely. Now, follow this, please, because we want to become good shellers. You want to find more shells, you, you look at, in fact, Sean, go back to that slide where there's, it's kind of like a, a picture of, of the types of shells all spread out. There we go. You, you take one of these with you when you go shelling, and you'll find a lot more shells. Because, oh, that's, that's, and you, you learn the name for those things. Now, listen to me carefully. Leave that picture right there. This morning, I'm going to give you one of those for the kingdom. I'm going to give you what to look for as a kingdom person when you live your life. How in your marriage, how in your own life, how in your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your life group members, your church family, in the community, in our nation, around the world, how you can begin to recognize more of the kingdom. God wants you to become better shellers, better kingdom people. Now, here we have three ways. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpack each of these. So to recognize the kingdom, what does it mean? How are you going to recognize righteousness? How are you going to recognize peace? How are you going to recognize joy? Well, we're going to get handles on how to recognize these things. Let's start with righteousness. The kingdom of God is righteousness. Now, I'm going to give you, under each one of these three words, handles of what righteousness, the righteousness of the kingdom looks like. Number one is humility. It is the paramount virtue of the kingdom. If you are a kingdom person, 
you have what the Puritans used to call the mark of the Lamb. You have a humility inside of you that you weren't born with. Jesus put it there. You got it, it's the mark of the Lamb. And there's a humility in you. Now, where does that come in the Bible? It says right in the first beatitude, Jesus said, blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the, the first blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's poor in spirit? That's humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. The kingdom. When there is humility, when a person is legitimately inside, poor in spirit, they recognize inside of them what they do not have. That is an evidence that the kingdom of God has come upon them. A parent can't put that there. Your mama can't put that in you. God can put that in you. It's an evidence of the kingdom. And now listen, this is a prayer. This is a declaration. And part of this prayer, part of this declaration is praying the kingdom on those we love. You have authority to pray the kingdom on those you love. Part of what you're praying is, Lord, put within them a God-birthed humility. It's the kingdom. With this comes another word, write it down. It's part of your, uh, it's another shell on your shell chart, so you begin recognizing it. Humility and hunger. Hunger for God is part of the kingdom. No one who's hungry for God got that naturally. God put it in them because the kingdom came on them. One of the middle beatitudes of the eight beatitudes, one of the middle ones says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, what is it? Say it a little louder. What are we talking about? Righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's the kingdom because righteousness is the kingdom. So on the front end of the kingdom coming is humility to say, I need something bigger than me, I need the kingdom, and hunger for the kingdom. Now the next part of this is so essential to the kingdom and it's repentance. When you see a person honestly, sincerely repent of sin and and by the grace of God turn their lives around, that is the kingdom. Nobody does that on their own. That's why Jesus said, Mark 1, verse 15, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent because what? The kingdom of God is at hand. What's at hand? Kingdom. You see how this fits together? When the kingdom comes, repentance comes. And particularly, the kingdom of righteousness is the only thing that's going to lead a person ultimately to repent. Just because you got caught in pornography by your wife, that's not going to make you repent. It might make you a better cheat. But what will lead you to repentance is when you recognize you not only cheated on your wife, you cheated on your, on your Lord. This ultimately is a righteousness issue, which leads me to the final handle under the category of the righteousness coming in the kingdom 
and it is new obedience to God. New obedience to God. Some people use the word radical obedience. Um, that's fine. If that does something for you, use it. I just need plain, regular obedience. I don't think I'm ready for radical obedience. The Lord just wants me to do what he tells me to do. I don't need any high, I don't need obedience on steroids. I just need obedience. And, and oh, 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 why was the book of Romans written to bring about what? The obedience of faith. The, obe the, the what of faith? Obedience. So how's that gonna happen? By the kingdom. When the kingdom comes and brings righteousness, that righteousness will translate into obedience. There it is. It's a handle. It, it, when we see our children not just complying, but obeying from their, within them. That's the kingdom. We, we can teach our kids to punch the right buttons and jump through the right hoops externally. But brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God is not external. The kingdom of God moves in here. It's my only caution. I love these shirts. I designed these shirts. But, but the danger of, of this is that the kingdom would ever become an external thing. We don't need external righteousness. We need a righteousness that starts down in here. that begins with a legitimate mark of the lamb we call humility. Amen. And then hunger, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Repentance and new obedience. It's the kingdom. The second word in the middle of the three, righteousness, peace, joy. Peace. What does it mean, peace? What's that look like? What handles can we put on peace? This is so powerful. When people receive salvation, that is the kingdom. Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless you be born again, you will never enter the kingdom of God. When the kingdom comes, yes, it brings hunger, it brings humility, it brings repentance, but it leads to salvation. When people are being born again and coming to Christ, that is the kingdom. Praise God, and it doesn't get any better than that. But with that, is an, is an, this, is, this, is, this next part of peace, is for years I missed this. When I became pastor of Lilburn Alliance Church a long time ago, on a far, far galaxy away, God put in my heart to pray. He said, use the Lord's Prayer. I said, how do you beat that? So I gave myself to living in the Lord's Prayer. I got our father, he imparted that to me, his name, oh, I love his name. But then your kingdom come. I got to that part and I thought, what in the world is that? I, I literally, when I became pastor of Lilburn Alliance Church on a galaxy far, far away, I did not have a clue 
what the kingdom was. I said, Lord, you need to teach me what am I praying here? This kingdom thing. And of all things, I bumped into this verse from Matthew 12, verse 28. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So that's, no, just, just listen to that verse again. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what this is saying is, when the kingdom comes upon you, part of the effect of the kingdom coming up upon you is that the kingdom will drive out demons. And all of a sudden, people started coming to me, telling me how they had this demonic stronghold in their life that they repented of, and then God delivered them of that evil spirit. I'm thinking, what's going wrong with my church? And then the next day I'm in my prayer time and the Lord says, Fred, what's wrong with you? This is the kingdom. You're praying the kingdom. Of course demons are going to be manifested. This is part of the kingdom. Let me just put it, why do I put this under peace? In case you miss this. Righteousness, peace, because... There is nothing more tormenting than the presence of evil spirits. Every one of them are tormenting. It's that tormenting that can so often get under our skin. And it starts up here, but it can affect our emotions and on every level. Am I saying that a Christian can be demon-possessed? I'm not saying that, but I guarantee you, yes, a Christian can be demon-influenced. There's no question about that. And part of the kingdom, the peace of the kingdom, is to remove from every one of us those tormenting spirits. Amen. So powerful. The final piece of this righteousness, peace, how do you recognize peace? When more and more people begin sharing the good news of Jesus with pre-Christians, that is the kingdom. Now, where do you see that in Scripture? Well, it says, the the, the punchline of this verse is, by the Holy Spirit, the last three words. The kingdom of God is not food or drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace, or righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. And then we've looked at the first beatitude, we've looked at one of the middle beatitudes, but the last one, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of God. What is persecution for righteousness' sake? It's when those who don't know Jesus or are not honoring him in their lifestyle will mock us, or worse, because of the presence of the kingdom in us. 
And the ultimate example of this is the persecuted church. The persecuted church is living under the kingdom because the kingdom of this world is not what they're living for. If they were, they would have sold out. They would have compromised their faith. They would have denied Jesus. But the fact that they're honoring Jesus even unto death is evidence of the kingdom. They're living for a kingdom that's bigger than this world. Hallelujah. Then we come to the last one, joy. Joy. This is so beautiful. Joy. The first evidence, the first shell on our shell chart, so to speak, our kingdom chart of how to recognize when the kingdom of joy comes, you will become increasingly more and more in love with Jesus as the kingdom comes on you. You show me someone who loves Jesus more now than they did three months ago, I'll show you someone who's experiencing the kingdom. It's the kingdom. Now where do you see that in scripture? Jesus, many uh, throughout his teachings, Luke 13, he said, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, and specifically, the kingdom of God is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding this one pearl of great price goes and sells everything he has to purchase this one pearl. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Now translate that, what he's saying is, he goes from shelling to pearl hunting, but finding a pearl is finding Jesus. When you come to know Jesus and your love for Jesus exceeds your love for anything else, that is the kingdom. I'll never forget baptizing Charles Venable a number of years ago before this building was built and he stood in the pulpit of our chapel. He said, after his baptism, he said, I wanna share a testimony. I said, no problem. Uh, And he stood up and he says, I've got joy. Now Charles had cancer of the mouth and had a surgery and talked kind of out of the side of his mouth because of it, but he stood up there and says, I've got joy. I've got Jesus. I'll never forget it. What is that? That's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. Now you know as well as I do, just because you're born again does not guarantee you that that you are falling more and more in love with Jesus. You can be born again for five years and really that, that, that your, your warm love and affection for Jesus hasn't changed. That's not, that's the, the that's kind of a, a status quo kingdom activity. When the kingdom comes, he, the kingdom will bring increased love for Jesus. The kingdom will revive your prayer life. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are going to have uninterrupted time in God's presence in, in, in heaven. And the more the kingdom comes, the more our prayer lives thrive here on earth. Amen. Signs and wonders. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the kingdom of God is not word, it's power. And the more the kingdom comes, the more God will manifest his presence among us. And for this reason, Jesus said, of all things, seek first the kingdom kingdom and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to you. What does that mean? 
That means to, to be first seekers of the kingdom is before any other kingdom, I will seek the kingdom of God. I was reading through Hebrews yesterday, and the, these verses hit me. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And as much as I like a steady stock market, I like, I like things that are consistent, as much as I, I hate the advance of, of ISIS or other forces uh, that work against us. Brothers and sisters, the shaking of every political entity in the world has only started. Rejoice! Rejoice that you and I are no longer under the kingdom of this world. We are under a higher kingdom. We are now part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Uh, May Lee, if you would come up here, please. Uh, May Lee and Power, dear members of our church, and May Lee has quite an extensive ministry, and she texted me some miracles that she saw in the lives of, of her uh, people, and um, <clears throat> it was so much the kingdom. I thought, Maylee, would you share with us? So she changed her plans and was able to be here. Tell us a, a little of the kingdom activity that you've seen. Uh, last weekend, I was at a woman's retreat, and um, there was a woman there at the retreat uh, whom all the ladies know because she's been crying for the past three years. Uh, every day she's crying. Many of the women have prayed with her uh, over the past three years and have wept and have cried with her. And she came to the retreat. She didn't want to come, but her son had um, paid for the retreat and got her to come. And when she was there, on the first two days, she was still crying and crying. So when she says hi to me, she's crying. When she says bye, she's crying. Anybody who comes to her, just close to her, she's weeping and she's been crying. So her eyes is uh, uh, all red and she's just been crying for two days. So finally, on the third day, on Sunday, before we closed the retreat, she came to me and she said, um, you have to pray for me. Uh, I will not go back home um, until we pray. So she came, and that morning, um, as we prayed, she, um, she confessed all her sins before the Lord. That's the kingdom coming upon her. She confessed all her sins before the Lord, and she told me of all the people that hurt her, and she, and she said, by name, I forgive them. That's the kingdom. And so she forgave all those who have, who hurted her. And even before we started praying, when she was just confessing her sins and just forgiving, there was this countenance on her. 
And, and as, we, as we pray together and bind the enemy and cast him, that's the kingdom. And the kingdom of God came upon her. And as the enemy was cast and sent to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we were done, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit, when we were done, she stood up. And she said, I'm going now. While I was still in the prayer room, she goes, I'm going now. I said, okay, all right, you go then. And then she went into the main assembly, and so I came later to join the assembly. They had a session where you share what you receive that weekend. So I came and sat down, and she got right up there on the stage, and she said, do you see me? And then all the women goes, yes, we see you. They, she goes, you've seen me for three years. And, and every moment that you saw me, you only saw my tears. But do you see me now? And all the women goes, yes. And then she says, I'm not crying anymore. My eyes have dried up. And from this day forth, I'm not going to cry anymore. Satan is gone. I have victory in Jesus' name. This is the kingdom. When the kingdom comes, she has victory, and she's full of joy. And she said, from now on, I'm a new person. The one that was crying, she is no more. And all the women just clapped because they had cried with her for so long. But that day forth, to this day, she is not crying anymore. <laughs> the joy of the Lord, the kingdom of God came. And so she... And she also said, if you want this, you can have it. Amen. Because I got it. And if God gave it to me, he could give it to you. That's what she said. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. Talk with May Lee when we're done. She has a ton more stories that are very similar. There is nothing more relevant to your life than the kingdom. Amen. And on top of this message from Romans 14, 17, this morning, I want to put one more scripture. If you're taking notes, it's page 62 in your journal. Write this reference, Luke 12, verse 32. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Would you say that with me? It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Would you hold your finger up? Point it at yourself. Now tell yourself. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Tell the person next to you. Point to them. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Tell the guy on the other side, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we think, oh, the kingdom is vague, it's abstract. I'm telling you, it's not. It's not any more abstract than a shell. May God give us eyes to see the kingdom, hearts to receive. And it all starts in here. Righteousness has to start here, and then it will change your relationship with God completely. Peace starts here, and then that changes your relationship with, with others completely. Joy starts in here, and then it changes really your whole disposition. It's the transforming work of the kingdom in us. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we invite your kingdom to come on us this morning in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you to rend the heavens in Jesus' name. Lord, while we were singing in opening worship this morning, we, we received a fresh taste again of your love. We received uh, and declared the, the greatness of your name. We lifted, as it were, uh, flagpoles with your name on a Jesus, and we waved it over this place. But now, Lord, it's our time to not just pray the kingdom or think the kingdom, but to receive the kingdom. It is your Father's good pleasure not to teach you about the kingdom, to give you the kingdom. Lord, put it in us. Put it in, manifest your kingdom in my home, in my marriage, in my parenting. Put it in my life group. Put it in my ministry team. Yes, Lord. And Lord, help us to recognize your kingdom with increasing clarity as time moves forward. And Lord, in a day when every lesser kingdom is being shaken, we are thankful that we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit activate the kingdom of God in you. Any aspect of the kingdom from humility to hunger to repentance to the whole gamut of all that's entailed on the kingdom chart, it's all for you. It's for me. May God release it and manifest it among us together today. Lord, by your spirit, activate your kingdom in us and through us to the honor and glory of the King of the kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.